I'm going to start off by just j- jumping right into the Word of God in the book of Psalms, Psalm 133. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. I sh- really should say the Passion Paraphrase. Okay, how truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is as precious as the sacred scented oil. Let's talk about the anointing oil. Flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron. Just get this picture. Get this, is very, very, this is painting a very, very uh, descriptive picture that's going to fit into the point that we're making tonight with this message. So picture this. Uh, the Holy Spirit, through the writer of the psalm, is giving us a picture of how the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit operates in relationships, okay? It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing down the head of the high priest, Aaron. Remember the high priest in the Old Testament? Moses' brother, Aaron, dripping down upon his beard, running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robe. And that's a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the body of Christ, the church, okay? The anointing comes from from God, from, from the Holy Spirit. It flows down through all the body. And, and, and that's how we get our needs met sometime, whether they're emotional, whether they're, whether they're physical needs, whether they're um, uh, spiritual needs, whatever the needs are, they originate, the answer originates in heaven. Amen? Amen. So, so it's a, this anointing comes down upon the body. Verse 3 says, this harmony can co- be compared to the dew dripping from Mount Hermon, which was, was a famous mountain in the Middle East, Uh, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where Yahweh, the ancient name of God, has decreed his blessings will be found, the promise of life forevermore. Very descriptive language, very picturesque, painting this picture that we experience better life, we experience a fullness of life when we're in relationship with each other, when we're in unity with each other. It it specifically, this, this psalm is specifically speaking to the tribes of Israel, that live in harmony, but it also applies to believers today. Nothing could be sweeter than that love of Christ that we share with one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, most of the time, this psalm is quoted regarding unity, but I want to take it a step further. I, I want to talk about relationship because the true spirit of this psalm is about how the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit flows when we, the body of Christ, the children of God, live in unity and peace and mutual blessing that's relationship, okay? Just like that oil flowing down the high priest, the anointing of the Holy Spirit can be released when we live in harmonious unity with one another. Let me just throw this at you before we get into the rest of this. I don't know if you've experienced this. I have experienced this over and over again the entire 37 years at this point that I've been, been, been walking with the Lord, been a born-again believer, when you sit down with a couple of other believers and you start talking about the Word of God, or you start talking about the things of God, you start talking about what God did during that week or what testimony you might have heard or sharing with the Scripture. Wow, I was reading the Scripture. And this, there's something that happens. It's exactly what this psalm is talking about. There is a release of anointing. There's a release of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You feel it. You can sense it. You'll be sitting at a table having a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, the presence of God is here. Amen? We need that. We Listen, we need that now more than ever. We're living in a crazy world. Do you not see it? 
We are living in a crazy world. And listen, listen, if it's crazy, even for us, if it's crazy for us who are believers, imagine what the people that have not come into relationship with Jesus yet are going through. So for their sake, for the sake of your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, who are basically losing their sanity, you and I need to tap into the Holy Spirit as much as we possibly can. We cannot afford to have any obstacles in our lives. And let me tell you something, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but forgive me, I'll get back on track. Relationships can either be a method of, of releasing blessing in your life, or they can be some of the greatest aggravators causing this great aggravation. How many, of course, nobody in here has ever had a relationship that caused you aggravation. Has anybody had a relationship that's caused you, ever caused you aggravation? So, so we don't want our relationships to go sour. Amen? Amen? And listen, this has been the past couple of years. I've seen, a, I've seen people that were supposed to be very stable lose their minds. Amen. Act out crazy things. Just, just entertaining crazy stuff. And like, what is going on here? And so when, when our relationships don't get maintained, when they're not nurtured, sometimes we can quench the Holy Spirit. Do you understand when I say quench? The Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Amen? Amen. Uh, are you getting this tonight? Yes. Okay, but what I'm saying is, and what I, what I believe we're supposed to get out of this message this weekend is that we need to do everything possible to make sure that, number one, we develop good relationships. Number two, we maintain good relationships so that if the Holy Spirit wants to use you in a relationship, to pray for someone, to encourage someone, you'll, you'll have what you need to meet the needs of that other person. Amen. Because listen, how many of you know when we're in strife, it is very difficult to perceive the presence of God? Yes. Has anybody found that out? Yes. I'll, use, I'll use a great example. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and as soon as you walk in, you think to yourself, whoa, they just had a fight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's perceivable. You know, we see sometimes when you guys walk through those front doors, if you've been fighting on the way to church, no matter how that fake smile you put on, <laughs> hey, pastor, we love being here. We know you had a fight in the car. We know you threatened to pull over and beat your kids. It's perceivable. And we want to get out of that, Amen. So, relationships are supposed to be a vehicle for bringing the presence of God into our lives. A godly relationship is supposed to be a safe place. It is designed to be a place where powerful prayer can take place, where burdens are shared, where troubles are carried together. And unfortunately, most of the times, they can become a great source of grief and aggravation, unfortunately. And the Word of God... The Bible has a lot of wisdom for us to gain from so that we can develop our relationships in such a way that God is glorified in them. Amen. 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 Now, last weekend, we focused on that, that strong, fierce, determined love of Jesus toward us. And I, I believe it's just as important for us to mimic that same love for others once we've been impacted by it. When your life, when you, you have personally been impacted by that love of Jesus... We're supposed to then impact other people's lives with that same love. 
But if we don't understand how to work relationships, or if we have a track record of bad relationships, then we need to get into the Word of God and find out, okay, what am I doing wrong? Okay? Instead of just keep going through it, keep going through it, keep going through it, keep going through it, and stumbling and falling and, and, and breaking relationships, making enemies, carrying grudges, having that awkwardness. How many of you hate that awkwardness when you've been in a relationship with someone and then all of a sudden something goes stupid? Okay? And, now you, and, and you have to see each other. And how many of you hate that awkwardness? The, the rest of you enjoy it. How many of you hate that awkwardness? I hate that. You feel weird. You're like, okay, you know, you want to say, hey, are we good? But you're afraid because you don't know if they're going to snap at you. And you don't know if you're going to snap and go after their, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we need to avoid that. We need to avoid that. And so um, one of the areas that seem to have suffered the most damage over the past few years is in the area of relationships. Um, years of constant strife and division and hardness of heart has taken a real toll on relationships. Let, let's just be real with each other. Can we do that tonight? Can we just be transparent here? We've got families split up along political lines. Neighbors, family members, co-workers not talking to one another or, or due to or sensitivity over people's opinions, over racial topics, or vaxxed, unvaxxed. The medical community is split. There's controversy, one controversy after another. Teachers and other federal employees are all stressed out now because of the vax mandates. All these things are affecting our relationships. Therefore, they can be blocking the presence of God. Pastor, what are you saying? We should just deny any problems? Are there? No, of course not. Of course not. We don't solve anything by denying that there's issues, that denying that there's problems. But the Bible teaches us how to navigate around those things without causing any collateral damage. Okay. Do you know, I don't know if we realize this or not, because it used to be this way years ago. Do you know that you can actually disagree with people and still like them? Yeah. The younger people are going, no. Because social media won't allow that. And sometimes you need to shut that stupid, just shut it down. And I got a new phone recently, and I was so happy that I didn't know how to put Facebook on it. So for a couple of months, they had no Facebook on it. If I wanted to go check Facebook, in other words, if I wanted to get aggravated or get in trouble, I had to go to my office because it was on my computer. And then one day, I figured out how to do it. So, number one, I'm going to throw this out at you here. Because if we're serious about relationships, we're going to have to take some steps on our own. Are we committed? Ask yourself that question. Are we committed to put our own needs aside in order to foster godly relationships? I'm going to say it again because everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, think about this. Are we committed to put our own needs aside in order to foster good relationships? Because I don't know if you realize this or not. If you're going to have good, godly, fulfilling relationships, you're going to have to take the second place. I know that's coming as a big surprise to some people, okay? Listen to this. Listen to this. I was reading this article, and this just jumped off the page at me. This is the title of the article. Common civility goes a long way in maintaining mutually beneficial relationships. Here's the article. Years ago, anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture. 
The student expected me to talk about fish hooks, clay pots, or grinding stones. But no, this famous anthropologist, Margaret Mead, said that the first sign of civilization in an ancient culture was a femur or a thigh bone that had been broken and then healed. So when I read this, I'm like, where's she going with this? Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run from danger. You can't get to the river for a drink. You cannot hunt for food. You are meat for prowling beasts. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal. A broken femur that has healed is evidence that someone has taken the time to stay with the one who fell, has bound up the wound, has carried the person to safety, and has tended to the person through recovery. Helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts, Mead said. I don't know if that hit you the way it hit me. I'm like, oh my, I never considered that. We are at our best when we serve others. Let's be civilized. I'll say it again. No, better yet, you say it. Turn to somebody next to you and say, let's be civilized. Let's learn to put others before ourselves. And listen, one of the worst traits from our secular society that has crept into Christianity is this idea that I come first in everything. This, this concept of over-exaggerated self-importance, it is destroying relationships, families, marriages, church relationships. We are not the center of all things. I don't know if this is a shock to you. We are not the center of all things. God is, and then everyone else is next in line. I'll say it again. I'll give you the opportunity to give me a big, hearty amen. We are not the center of all things. God is, and then everyone else is next in line. Good, that was a nice one. Jesus said so. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 is recorded for us, a conversation that Jesus had. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, asked him, talking about Jesus, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39 says, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, he's telling them. Now, mind you, now, the people he's speaking to, they don't know that there's going to be a New Testament. All they had, the only scriptures they had was the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, okay? And Jesus said to them, those two commandments, love God with everything that you have and everything that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself, the entire Old Testament is fulfilled in those two things. So you think maybe we should concentrate on those two things? You think, he made it easy for us, okay? Judaism at that time had over 600 laws, commands. He said, we don't need 600. You can melt it all down to two. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Are you getting this? Is this uncomfortable? Okay, because I, I hope you're not sitting there, oh, oh, we know this. Oh, we've heard this a million times. Can I ask you to check out your relationships? I, I think we need to work on them. I think we all need to work on them. 
Because if the church of Jesus Christ is going to get the job done that we're supposed to, we cannot have a church that's fractured. We cannot have believers who think they're better than others. We cannot have believers that do not have compassion. We cannot have believers that are not willing to put yourself aside for someone else's good. Why? Because the world outside is watching us. Jesus said that they'll know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Amen? Now, when it really comes down to it, we really cannot build or develop healthy God-directed relationships without the, now listen to me, the basics of the Ten Commandments. Oh, pastor's going to teach the law tonight. No, no. The basics of the Ten Commandments, okay? Because Jesus said, on those two commands, hangs all the law and the prophets, all the Old Testament, okay? So, a loving relationship with God, is, of course, is of first importance. But loving relationships with others is second. And the Bible is all about these two important relationships. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to throw this out at you. So maybe when you see it, uh, instead of throwing the stuff out at you and then expecting you to see it, watch this now. Everything in the Word of God is about us being restored to Him, us being in relationship with Him, Him being in relationship with us, and then based on that relationship, how we treat each other. That's the whole Bible. It's the whole Bible. In the Old Testament, okay, it serves as a preparation for Jesus to come. All right? So, so the focus is on God. But then you have little glimpses here and there about how you're supposed to treat each other. But the greatest revelation of that comes after the Gospels. Okay, the letters that are written to the church, the epistles, okay, that are written to the church, if you really break them down, it's all about, okay, I'm born again now, my spirit man is alive unto God, the Holy Spirit lives in me, I'm going to heaven. Okay, but, but how do I conduct myself now between the time that I said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, how do I live from that point until the time I go like this? and take my last breath. That's found in the letters to the church. But when you break it down, it's again all about how we treat each other, love each other, don't lie to each other, carry each other's burdens, forgive one another. What is that all about? It's about, it's about relationship. Amen? Now watch this now. Again, you cannot develop godly relationships without the basics of the Ten Commandments. Watch this now. Number one, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20. Okay? Number one. Who's number one? God. God. Number two, you shall make for yourself no carved image of any likeness. Bottom line, don't make idols. And do not worship idols. Do not bow down and serve them. Okay? So it's still about God. Number three. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless him who takes the name in vain. Again, what's number three about? God. Number four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day, the Sabbath unto the Lord, uh, the Lord your God, and shall do no work. What is it about? How we relate to God. Number five, honor your father and your mother that your days may belong upon the earth and, uh, f- which the Lord your God has given you. 
Now it shifts. Now it's relationship. Okay? Let me read through this. We'll, we'll go through it again. So honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear full witness. In other words, lie. Don't lie. Number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox or donkey, anything that, you, that is your neighbor's. So you notice the first four deal with our relationship with God, right? The next six deal with our relationship with each other. Amen? And that's not a coincidence because number six is the biblical number of man. There's four commandments about how we're to relate to God and how we're to relate to us. The other six are about how we're to relate with each other. You getting this? Okay, well. If I want a good relationship with my parents then I need you to show them honor, yes? You're looking at me like, what? That's a new idea. If you want to have a good relationship with your parents, okay, I still have one who is here on the earth. If I want a good relationship with my father, I'm going to show him what? Honor. honor. Now, knowing, knowing how human nature is, and knowing, how many of you didn't always, I'll put it nicely, how many of you didn't always get along with your parents? What a bunch of liars we have in here tonight. <laughs> How many of you didn't always get along with your parents? Okay. Do you think God knew that? Yes. Do you think God knew that in our humanity there was going to be some, some tension, some stress between us and our parents? Because you realize by how stupid, when you were a teenager, how dumb your parents were? <laughs> and there, wasn't it amazing by the time you got to be about 22, 23, all of a sudden it's like they wised up. Now, maybe today in this generation, it might be a little bit, maybe by the time you're 30, okay, all of a sudden, your parents got smart. Now, God knew there was going to be this problem, so what does he do? He attaches a promise to that one. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, I'll read to you from the Passion again. Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. Verse 2, for the commandment, honor your father and your mother, was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. You will prosper and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. And you hear the crickets in the background? <laughs> if you honor your parents. Well, we don't get along. It didn't say anything about having to get along. But you honor your parents. Okay? Can I step out a little bit here tonight? Uh, all right, let's do this. Say this with me. I love my pastor because he tells me the truth even if it hurts. Now, I'm going to turn around and say what I got to say because it's inevitable. What I'm going to say, somebody's going to see me in the lobby and go, I knew you were talking right to me when you said that. <laughs> Parents, adults, if you've gone through a divorce, the worst thing you could do is turn your children against their father or their mother because you are setting them on a course that's going to extend into their life. But you don't know how horrible they were. It's got nothing to do with being horrible. It's got to do with this commandment. Teach your children, regardless of whatever, to honor their mother and honor their father that it may go well with them and that they may live long on the earth.
Every one of us in this room can, can cite an example, either in your own life or in somebody in your family, extended family, who made that terrible mistake of turning the children against their father or turning the children against their mother. You don't even have to say amen because I know it's true. Do not do that. If you love your kids, do not do that. If you've fallen into that, repent, ask God to forgive you, ask them to forgive you, and make a course correction as soon as you possibly can. Amen, Pastor. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> so, if I want a good relationship, when I want my children to have good relationships, we're going to do that. If I want a good relationship, I'm not going to murder. You notice how that messes up relationships? <laughs> if I want a good marriage, I won't commit adultery. And I cannot have a good relationship if I have a lifestyle of stealing, lying, or, or, this is the one that goes, it's very subtle, and we don't notice it too much. Or if I'm obsessed with everything that someone else has that I don't. Yeah. If I'm obsessed, I cannot believe the amount of people that are obsessed with what everybody else has, because they don't have it. Of course, nobody in here would do that. But you know people that sit on the couch and watch those TV programs with all the beautiful furniture, and they build a house in three days, and you know that there's people, you know, it might be you, might be you, I don't know if it is, and you sit there, and you, and you look at your house, and you look at your couch, and you look in your kitchen at the cabinets with the falling off the, falling. and now the relationship starts to get stressed. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, good, I'm going to move on. So, in the New Testament, we have the instructions we need to live life in harmony with each other. And again, like I said before, it's revealed in the letters. Now, the gospel is supposed to reach across cultures, across time. Therefore, we, when we live according to the word of God, with the grace of the Holy Spirit, we'll be a blessing to those that we're in relationship with and great examples to those who don't know Christ yet. So because God graciously chose us in love to be set apart to himself, we should treat others with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, with forbearance and forgiveness. His gracious, loving treatment of us is basis of our treatment of others. Are you listening? I'm going to say it again. His gracious, loving treatment of us, the way God has treated us, is the basis for the treatment of others. How dare we accept all the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, his protection over us, his provision towards us. We suck it in, suck it in, suck it in, suck it in. But then when we've got to give it out to somebody else, we want to withhold it. It's not, it's, not, it's not right. It's not profitable. And it's certainly not a way to build relationships. And again, relationships are all about behavior. And we can either be a blessing or we're going to be a source of grief and pain. So let's look at, now as we get into more practical stuff here about relationships, and we're going to finish this next week. Well, actually, part two is next week. We're going to, we're going to finish part one tonight. Amen. Best place to start is what to put away and what to put on. Amen. What do we need to get rid of? 
What do we need to nurture? Are you with me tonight? Okay. Would you agree that this is an important subject? This is what causes all the aggravation in life. This is what causes us 90% of counseling, relationships. What an easy world it would be if it was just you. (laughs) But it's not. Colossians chapter 3. We know that Colossians is one of the letters to the church written by Paul, yes? Yes. Okay. Therefore, if, and really that that word if should be translated since, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Okay? We're going to talk about that. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, can you go back to verse verse 2? Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. Why do I need to set my mind on the things that are above and not on things on the earth? Because the things about us that ruin our relationships are not coming from our spirit. They are coming from our unregenerate human nature, our flesh, our human nature that has not yet been affected and transformed by the word of God, the nature of God. Wow, that was a mouthful, Pastor. Here's what I'm saying. We set our mind on the things that are above, the things of the spirit. Why? Because the aggravation that you are getting from somebody else is not coming from their spirit. It's coming from their soul. It's coming from their personality flaws, their character flaws, baggage, unresolved issues. Those are not things that are found in heaven. Those are things that are on the earth. So if we set our mind on the things of heaven, if we set our mind on the things above, if we set our mind on the things of the spirit, if we set our focus on Jesus and how he conducted himself, then we're going to filter out the junk that's in our souls, the stuff that we're still trying to get delivered from and get resolved, the issues that have been unresolved for for decades in our lives. Those are the things that are destroying relationships. Nobody's relationship gets destroyed because somebody became more like Jesus. Our relationships get destroyed because we allow the stuff that's been piling up for years that never got resolved. Either things that we haven't forgiven ourselves over or things that we haven't forgiven other, others over. Those are the things that are destroying our relationships. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. Verse 5, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also rid yourself. And he's talking to Christians. Rid yourself of all them. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech from your mouth. Can I just jump back into something? Please, if you're going to go on Facebook and you're going to drop the F-bomb and you're going to use all kinds, you're going to... Do not tell anybody where you go to church. I'm, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I, I cannot believe that a Christian, a person who claims to have the Spirit of God living inside them, go home, get on Facebook, and start dropping the F-bomb. The people that know that you claim to be a Christian are laughing behind your back. All right, I feel better now. We're we're supposed to conduct ourselves different. 
you draw the line someplace. So, get rid of this stuff, he says. Anger, wrath, uh, in other words, explosive rage, malice, slander, obscene speech from your mouth. And then he throws this one in the beginning of verse 9. And do not lie to one another. <gasps> Christians lie to one another? Christians lie? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Sure. How many times did somebody say, hey, pray for me? And you went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never prayed for them. Oh, not us, Pastor. I dropped to my knees immediately on the spot. These are the things that destroy relationships. We cannot. Even, even people that don't know Jesus know you cannot have a healthy relationship when you've got somebody who's constantly angry, uh, slandering, obscene speech, lying constantly, sexual immorality, all this other kind of stuff. Even a person that has never read the Bible knows you can't have a good relationship with someone who's going to conduct himself this way. Amen, pastor. So, that chapter continues. Verse 9 continued, says this. Since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it, you and I have been created in the image of God. We are predestined to be conformed in his likeness. That's God's plan, but he's not going to force it on you. He does not force us to change. We are to submit our life, our will, to the Holy Spirit and let him do the work in us. That's called grace. Okay? Grace is not just a band-aid for when we sin. Grace is supposed to prevent us from sinning. Grace is an empowerment that causes us to be able to do things that in the natural we can't. So that when we're faced with the temptation, when you're faced, when you're faced with the temptation to lash out on somebody on Facebook, go on a regular Word document, print out what you were going to say instead of doing it on Facebook because God forbid you hit the thing by mistake, okay? And then erase it. Ask me how I know. Go, go get it out. Get it out, but don't get it out to the point where it's going to hurt somebody. Okay, then go back on Facebook and just, just give them the thumbs up thing <laughs> and walk away. You can do it. I can do it. Okay, we don't have, when, when, we're, when we're faced with the opportunity to fall into these things, we can, we can fall back on the grace of God. Lord, help me. I'm feeling weak here. I feel like I'm gonna fall for this thing. I feel like whatever it is, whatever it is. And if you fall and you catch yourself, just get up and just say, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. I receive your cleansing. I, I receive forgiveness. And thank you for cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. Look, I know this is going to come as a big surprise because for some reason, we don't talk about this enough. We're not supposed to keep sinning. That went over big. Mm. <laughs> We're not supposed to keep sinning. And the only way we're not going to do it, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? What's it? Sin is what's killing relationships. All right. 
All right, let's, let's talk about what we're supposed to put on. I'm going to wrap this up quick. Just give me a few more minutes, okay? Verse 12. Now I'm going to switch over to the Passion Translation. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God. Is it up here? I, I like to read it from up here. Since you have been divinely chosen. What are you doing? <laughs> Since you have been what? Divinely chosen. M- me? Divinely chosen? You? Divinely chosen? You mean God has a plan? He, he knows who you are? He knows how you think? He knows the thing that triggers you? He, he knows? He, you've been divinely chosen? Yeah. Yeah, according to the scriptures. Since you have been divinely chosen to be what? Holy. Holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Let's keep going. Oh, do I want to spend some time? Be merciful and trying to understand it, uh, each other. Sometimes we've got to put up with each other. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rick. <laughs> Mitch nodded. So, sometimes we have to put up with each other. Yes. Be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble. Oh, this is a good one. Unoffendable in your patience with others. What is wrong lately that so many people have become so easily offendable? I, I have taught, I can't even tell you how many times on the dangers of offense from the scriptures. I've had individuals throughout the years, it's 24 years of pastoring now, I've had individuals come up to me after those teachings, oh, I needed to hear that so bad, pastor. Thank you, thank you. Now, now I know how I can avoid offense. Turn around the next day, somebody say the wrong thing to them, and get offended. What is wrong with us? Stop it. You're not that important. I'm not that important. Doesn't matter if we get stepped on once in a while. It doesn't matter if somebody says something and it hurts your feelings, okay? You know when that's gonna stop? When your feelings are not gonna get hurt anymore? When you're in a box that's surrounded by flowers. Until then, you're gonna have to resist getting offended. All right, next verse. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus. My God, what a measure. What a level. How much have we been forgiven by Jesus? We're the one that should have went to the cross. We're the ones that should go to hell. And he took it for us. Tolerate the weakness of the family. Forgiving one another the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. Next verse. And if you find fault with someone else or someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. My God. If we would do these things, we would eliminate 99% of relationships being busted up and broken up. You listening to me? Now, this doesn't come to us naturally. God knows that because we're humans. we, We battle, our human nature battles with our spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 puts it this way. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. So so what are you saying, Pastor? Our soul is never going to agree with this stuff. 
Our soul wants to con- our soul wants to go, no, I hate that person because this is how they made me feel. Or this is what we did, this is what they did to me. That's not gonna fly. So we've got to force ourselves to walk according to what the word says, not according to what our feelings say. Amen. You're getting this? Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Just jump in when you want. This is the entire reason the love chapter exists. It's about relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to wrap it up right after this. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1, okay? You're going to recognize this one, all right? If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only resounding gong and a a clanging cymbal. In other words, you're just a bunch of noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give my body over to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard this at a wedding one time, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, We're supposed to live by this, not just include it in the ceremony, okay? These are the qualities that describe God himself, the author of relationships. It is a perfect code of conduct with which to build healthy relationships. Somebody just posted this a couple of days ago. I think yesterday or day before. Your relationship with God will set the tone of every other relationship in your life. Fix your eyes on him and watch how it changes things. This is why we study the word of God to help our relationships. We do not rely on secular advice. We need each other more now than ever. Let's do our best to put these things aside that divide us and focus on the things that join our hearts. And God understands that it's not easy for us and that we cannot do it on our own. And the truth is, when we're weak, he will make us strong if we ask. If we ask. I wonder how many relationships could have been salvaged. I wonder how many marriages could have been salvaged. I wonder how many family relationships, inter-sibling relationships could have been salvaged and saved and prospered if people stopped and put their focus on God, put their focus on the word, put their feelings aside. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm perfectly justified to feel like this. It doesn't matter whether you're justified or not. It's not going to end good. It would be better for you to swallow it. It would be better for you to walk away from it. It would be better for you to not pay attention to your feelings and go with how God would handle it. Are you listening to I don't think there's one of us in this room tonight that cannot gain from this. Why? Because we do not live an isolated, no matter how isolated we might feel, no matter how isolated society is trying to make Each and every one of us, we still live in relationship to some extent or another. 
and the church. I'm not talking about the building because this building is not the church. You are the church. I am the church. We cannot survive. We will not thrive. We will not get the job done. We will not walk according to the plan of God if we do not foster relationships. We need to help each other. We need to lift each other up. We need to be there for We need to pray for one another. We need, to, we need to be the ones that come alongside people in the times of tragedy. We need to be those people. And until we learn how to really foster good, godly relationships, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let me ask you this question. We're two minutes away from dismissing. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you're here tonight and you have not yet stepped into this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you mean, Pastor? How do I do that? The Bible tells us that we are to be reconciled back to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We come into relationship with our Father in heaven through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Somebody had to pay for your sin and for my sin. Someone's blood had to be shed. He went to the cross on our behalf. God the Father in heaven received Jesus as a sacrifice so that your sins can be washed away and my sin could be washed away. And that's how we come into relationship with the Father, by receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. If you have not had that opportunity up until this point, please, that is the first relationship you need to get, to, you need to get right. Remember what Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with everything that's within you, and your neighbor as yourself. If this relationship is not right, these relationships can never prosper. Get that relationship right first. Let's all, let's all make that declaration of faith together. For the sake of those who maybe have never made that, that, said that simple prayer, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart. Let's all say that together. Can we do that tonight before we leave? Yes. Amen. Let's say this. Father, Father I, believe I believe with all my heart, all my heart. that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came to this earth, died on the cross for my sin, raised again from the dead, and is alive right now in heaven. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for making me a child of God. I pray this in your name. I pray this in your name. Amen.